Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And I am featuring another local, I'm going to call her a multi-entrepreneur because I've known her in so many different capacities. When I first met her, she was a chef. Then I saw her take her artistic medium to painting amazing scenery and texture on cookies that were actually edible. She is an artist. She is a painter. She is a designer. She is an illustrator. She is a musician. And I now believe that she's combining all of her skills and abilities and talents and is currently pursuing her degree in therapeutic recreation practitioner. I have a beautiful original painting that she did hanging in my office, and I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. So Jesse Jones, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to have you here. I've got to know you so well. I, I'm, I was thinking before we came on this morning, I'm thinking I've known you like seven or eight years. Yeah, I think I think it's it's about seven. Everly was a uh, was a, a year old. So yeah, so like where did yeah, that time or just go? Just before a year, so definitely sneaking on eight. It's interesting to see how you've grown as a woman and a mom and a wife and entrepreneur. And I'm excited to ask you some leadership questions. So if you're ready to dig in, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go. All right. My first leadership question is, I know you talk about that you embrace paradox. I want you to explain what you mean by that and how does that show up in your leadership? (laughs) Paradox. Okay. So how does it show up in my leadership? What do you mean specifically? So when you say to me that you embrace paradox, let's break Mm -hmm. the question down. Mm -hmm. What what do you mean when you say that? Some of the things that I do uh, as a leader that don't always fit into the box per se. Uh, That, yeah, that's been definitely, that's been definitely my leadership. So I guess we could go right back to the beginning when I stepped into leadership. Um, My friends and I will often kind of make a joke around it saying, so how did you get into leadership or management more specifically? And um, it all came down to me just, I didn't have much experience at the time, but I walked in and I said, I can do this. And, uh, and, and so I should. So I think for me, every approach I take in leadership has been untraditional in that I don't always take the path that is most often seen as you know, what most leadership people would take, I just kind of follow my intuition and, and lead with 
with uh, love and I hope I'm answering you. I don't <laughs> No, it's it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting question and perspective because I think you touched on a couple of things. The first is I think we all embrace paradox because I believe the definition of leadership is the combination of our upbringing, our life experience and our yeah. work experience. I don't believe that leadership belongs to anyone. I don't think that you need to have a title or a role or a mm-hmm. sheet of responsibilities or stature. So even though you're saying your approach or the way you've gone about things might be outside the box, is it though? Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. That's the thing. I just, I, I do a lot of things by just doing them. I don't really ask too many questions. <laughs> I, uh, I just, I just do what feels right and I do what feels good and it's kind of, that's what's led me to where I am. And I think naturally I come across as a leader because I, I have a big voice and I mean that in both ways, <laughs> figuratively and, and literally. Um, I don't know. I think, I think for me, it's just that as I move forward, I'm not, I'm, I'm not scared to try new things. And that has naturally led me to lots of leadership opportunities because uh, I don't really evaluate risk until, <laughs> until maybe I'm right in the middle of it. And then I think, oh, shoot, and this is what could go wrong. But I don't think about that until I'm, I'm being presented with the problem. Well, and I think, I think that's courageous. And I think a lot of people are apprehensive to do such leadership style. And mm-hmm. I can tell you, cause I've worked with a lot and I get a lot of, I could have, I would have, I should have. So you're not live, you're not living or leading in a sense of obligation. And mm-hmm. I think it's a great trait to have. I also love that you're not afraid to try anything or fail forward. And I talk a lot about that on the show. And if you don't try, how can you become a better leader? If you don't Mm -hmm. fail in front of your team, how can you become Mm -hmm. a better leader? So there's merit Mm -hmm. in that. And I, I love that about you. And (laughs) sometimes we lead and we can't mitigate risk. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know, and that's where the sweet spot is often found. So I think it's a great quality, and I I wouldn't change it. It leads nicely into my second question. (laughs) What imperfections do you bring to your heart-centered leadership? This is the question that all my (laughs) guests get. Oh, gosh. I don't know. You ask such good questions. I think, again, kind of from the first question, if I have any imperfection, it's probably that I pursue things quickly. Like I get very excited easily about everything, about life, um, about, you know, uh, opportunity and engagement and and advocacy. And and so all those things, they get like creative um, opportunities, expression, I get very, very excited about those things. And I, I often it, it looks like I rush, I rush into a lot of things. Um, and so that would probably come across as an imperfection. But 
I, I don't know. I find there's beauty in that as well, because like we talked about, I don't hold back. I just do what feels right in the moment. And sometimes those decisions don't take, don't take me to where I thought I wanted to be, but ultimately it is the path I'm supposed to be going down. And so it's interesting because, you know, may, maybe people see a lot of the things I've done as failures, but I don't because I am exactly where I am because of the choices I've made and the experiences I've had. So um, another imperfection. There's a few, I guess. <laughs> really, really energetic and and loud. I'm a very, very loud uh, whirlwind of an experienced person. And that often can be perceived as... Um, uh, scary for people, you know, I, something that I've often been told is that um, people are afraid of me, and that I'm intimidating. And I, I'm baffled by that, because I don't see anything I do as, uh, you know, scary. But then, you know, I suppose if you take a step back, and you hear me and see me, and I've tried to like, you know, stand beside me, I can imagine how that might be scary for people for someone just to come rushing into a room and have no bar on anything just like ah <laughs> here's what we're gonna do today and I don't know what the end result is but it's gonna be fine let's go that's scary but um I don't I have it, that filter. I think it depends the lens that you choose to view things and interpret things because I find a lot of people, and I see this in my coaching practice, compare themselves to other people. And people may look at you. I wouldn't say that you're loud or scary. I would say that you are full of life and gregarious. Yeah. <laughs> you jump in with your whole heart, which is why you're on this show. Thank and you. find me a leader <laughs> who didn't carve their own path. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it just seems so, so daunting at times because, you know, you assume that there's this path that should be carved out. And like you just said, you know, find a leader that didn't carve their own path. It, I don't realize I'm carving a path, I guess. I keep looking for the path <laughs> and I don't find it. And it can be very frustrating some days because I keep thinking it's got to be easier than this. How come it's not easy? And, um, you know, I just keep trudging along. I, I got often make the joke about I'm constantly trudging through mud. I don't, you know, I'm always dirty and muddy and I have no clue what's going on, but I just keep showing up. And I think, you know, that could probably also be perceived as an imperfection. I don't give up. So many times people have asked me just to stop, 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 you know, just relax, slow down, stop. And I can't, I can't stop. I've tried, I've tried, but. Well, and it's, and it's who you are. And I think it's a, a beautiful demonstration of resiliency mm. and other people may look at you and think, how does she do that? <laughs> right. So perception, imperfection, yeah. it's all related. My third question is who in your life can you think back was either a really amazing mentor or really taught you leadership oh, gosh that's a really great question 
I've had some really incredible mentors in the past. I would probably say teachers, high school teachers. You know, I think those, there was a couple specific women in my early high school years that had a big impact on, on the way I thought about things. You know, my guidance counselor in grade nine was a huge influence for me. Um, she was probably the first person that probably planted the seed. I mean, I was already on the path of, you know, this path that I'm on. So she probably noticed it in me and really nurtured it. But, you know, this idea that why, why do you have to be like them? Why do you have to follow these people? You know, you've already got, you've already got the, the key that most people are searching for. So just go with it. And she really nurtured and supported that. And I don't think I was obviously aware of what she was specifically talking about. But, you know, her words, I can still hear them in my head that uh, go for it, do it. Uh, don't listen to them, just keep moving forward. Um, and I think people like her throughout my life, like I've got very close girlfriends, one very specific friend that is always, always beside me, whispering in my ear, keep going, keep moving forward, you know. Yeah, I think it's a combination of people that have really helped influence. And I think music Music and art have been a big piece of my influence. Um, Ani DeFranco is a musician I've been listening to since I was 12 years old. And her lyrics, you know, even for being such a young child, I mean, 12, her lyrics really resonated with the circumstances I was living in at that time. And, and I've been listening to her for every year since. And that really shaped me as a person because she was this this person I idolized who was independent, uh, a righteous babe, somebody who just forged their own path and did what they wanted based on their love for for their life, but just doing things. And I think that has really, I think that's really who made me who I am, just watching her and listening to her words and those little pieces of encouragement that you don't realize are encouraging but you keep with you and yeah I still listen to her I still go back to her music so it's interesting if I'm having a really hard day or something disastrous is happening I use her words her music as, as you know lack of a better word scripture I go back and it calms me right away I can listen to the music I listened to from years ago and and I will find messages upon it that will help guide me and make me feel good and so yeah women I guess when uh, now I'm thinking about it there's been a lot of women influence that's made me who I am today oh it's beautiful and so yeah. my last question is you're the mom of two young girls mm -hmm. and I know a lot of listeners are going to resonate with this you have decided to go back to school and pursue your degree so mm -hmm. share with us what your pursuing and why you landed there and how everything that you've learned and brought and packed into your leadership is going to show up once you graduate from school. Mm, yeah. So I went back to school. So yeah, a few, many years ago, um, it just didn't work out for me to go to, 
to do my degree. I did go to college and that's how I became a chef. And uh, so throughout my entire life, I've been collecting these little nuggets of expressive art skills, uh, creative skills. So art, music, um, oh gosh, I don't know, everything, painting, drawing, uh, dance, theater, you name it. If it's creative, I've been doing it, do it yourself, uh, projects, cooking, that's creative. Um, and uh, anyhow, it got me a job working in retirement. And I realized um, another piece of what I love is advocacy and working with people who may be living with a disadvantage or disability. And I want to see everyone be successful. And so I found pleasure in working with the elderly, specifically uh, dementia, people living um, plus dementia. And I was a cook at the time and my daughter had fallen ill and I took a year off to do that with her and be with her. And upon my return, they had said, you know, whatever circumstances had changed, we have this new position for you. We want you to try doing activation, which is another word for recreation. And I looked at them straight in the eye and I said, oh, no, I don't do that. That's not what I do. I'm a chef. And they looked at me and they said, but you do do that. I don't know if you've noticed, they said, but your whole life is a manifestation um, of activation, recreation, therapeutic recreation. And I, and I said, okay, well, let me go home and think about it. And so I went home and I thought about it. And my husband said, oh, my gosh, there's a career for you, like for, for, for everything you are, like my whole life, it's been this, like, should I be a musician? Oh, but I want to be an artist. Oh, but I want to do this. Oh, but I want to plan. Oh, but I want to help. And I wish, I guess if I have any regrets, I wish that someone had told me that therapeutic recreation was a career choice (laughs) because it would have saved me many years of trying to figure out what to do with my life. But anyhow, so grateful and blessed that this person had recognized this in me and uh, and I did it and I instantly fell in love uh, doing the field work I just said oh my gosh I get to express myself in every way possible with people and and really show up with that that Gregorious personality I have and and it, it was just this perfect glove it was a perfect shoe perfect fit and so I uh, I decided to seal it with a degree, um, which has been a very big goal of mine. I always have told my children and my husband, don't you don't you think for a second I'm not going to go get a degree because I'm going to go get it. It was just finding that opportunity. But yeah, so I got accepted into Canada for my therapeutic recreation diploma, which uh, will lead me in September to Brock's uh, therapeutic recreation degree. Uh, I've, I've got a... Um, an offer with Brock. So I'll be starting in September. And uh, it's a four year program, which will allow me when I'm finished to write my CTRS exam, which would give me my credential as a certified therapeutic recreation specialist or practitioner, and do the things that I do that I have been doing my entire life, but you know, with some letters behind my name and uh, to do it professionally in the community and or clinical setting. So there I am doing that. And it feels so right. It feels so good. It feels really good. Well, it's exciting. And what I like about it is you're able to pause now and enjoy the joy in the journey. 
Yeah. And this is, it's everything you've done has led you to this place. It's, it's like the intersection of the sweet spot. I know. I just got goosebumps when you said that, like literally every move I've made has led to this, this moment. So it's very interesting if you just follow your intuition. Absolutely. And look at all the skills that you bring to that role. And now you're just going to have the theory and the practice and Brock University is where I went. It's a great school. Yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited. I'm pleased. And yeah, I'm, I'm really, really, really happy about it. Oh, it's yeah. exciting. So I'm going to switch to my Fab Four now. Four fun questions <laughs> about Jesse, whatever's sitting on the top of your mind. Oh, goodness. All right, first question. Tell okay. us something that we don't know about you. you don't know about me I don't know I'm a pretty wide open person I love well I mean everyone knows I love music maybe a lot of people don't know how much I really love metal metal and punk I love it I love it so much I mean I obviously will always lean further into like my folk music songwriting but if there's a if Pantera or you know (laughs) Metallica or Lamb of God comes on I'm I am there I'm ready (laughs) I just love 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 it It, especially working out um, I just there's something powerful and inspiring about that kind of music that makes me feel so good oh absolutely yeah it's weird (laughs) it's like you know when I'm running I want like one of those long long songs and you can Mm -hmm. always go back to a classic rock song and find a good (laughs) five minutes for sure that's awesome yeah now you have two young girls Mm -hmm. what advice are you going to give them when they carry on to pursue post-secondary education hmm Oh, I know it's, it's funny. Cause they always still make like, my daughters are already very self-aware and they say, Oh, I'm going to be an artist like you mom. And I'm going to be this and I'm going to be creative. And I, we make these, they're horrible jokes, but I always say, no, 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 no. You know, doctor, lawyer, these are the careers you want. Just like I remember hearing when I was a child, you say artist, they say doctor, <laughs> You, you know, you say musician, no lawyer. <laughs> and that's a good reminder for me because it really reminds me of the fears that I still have. The fear of, you know, this place coming from a place of lack. You know, traditionally creative arts is not as well paid as those professions. And, uh, and so when I hear myself speaking to my daughters like that, you know, they say they're so passionate about art and they say, I'm going to be an artist like you. And I say, don't. That that makes me sad. And so I think my message to them will be listen to your heart and listen to your, the voice inside your head that tells you to do what you feel is right. Don't listen to me. Don't like, you know, don't, don't listen to people around you that tell you what path you should be on. And so I, I will correct myself when I say things like that to them. I'll say, you know what? I'm, I'm just kidding. I said, if you want to be a doctor, I think that's great. But if you want to be an artist, I think that's amazing too. Well, and I think it brings up a really good point. We don't need to fall into stereotypes for our dreams because I can be completely honest with you and tell you a lot of the executives and C-suites that I coach with, they followed 
the dreams of their parents. Mm -hmm. And then they're middle-aged and they're like, I never really wanted to do this, but my parents wanted me to. So I think that's such a mood point. I think it's an important point. We can only encourage our children to be the best version of themselves. And their journey is going to be no different than yours. Mm -hmm. It's no different than mine. Mm -hmm. Why do mm -hmm. we have to do one thing in our lives? I did a great post last week on what is your leadership journey. And I went back and thought about everything that I did from the time I started working. So from babysitter at age 12 till now, almost 55, executive coach and everything in between. So the reason I'm saying this is think about every transferable skill that you've brought from every job that mm -hmm. got you to where you are right now. You can't take away experience because there's lots of people that have initials after their name. They don't have experience. And with COVID, it's been very interesting because we've seen a lot of ageism and, you know, that bias for the older worker. Well, they've brought a lot of older workers back because we don't have enough specific people in specific jobs and there's certain crafts that are needed. Mm -hmm. So I think it's an interesting time and I think that you're going to find how many tools are in your toolkit when you start unpacking this, when you're out doing that practitioner role. It'll be very interesting to see. <laughs> yeah. Okay, question number three. If you mm -hmm. sat down with the 16-year-old version of Jesse, what advice would you give her? <laughs> Don't change who you are for one second. They're going to tell you, tell you to be quiet. They're going to tell you to, you know, don't talk as much. They're going to tell you, um, you know, keep your movements to a minimum. They're going to try to to really push you into this space that you just don't fit into. And that is okay. I, um, I would tell my 16-year-old self to keep starfishing everywhere she goes in life because, you know, I think, I think more people need to hear that message. Somehow, some way, I persevered enough to, to, to keep those voices out of my head. That doesn't mean that they don't creep inside often <laughs> I'm having those conversations with the, the 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 negative talk the itty bitty shitty committee often likes to come inside my head and hang out and and I think it's important that we are encouraging young children and young adults to just really follow their heart and and do what feels good and I would just tell my six-year-old self just keep trucking on don't ever listen to the people that can't handle your enthusiasm for life. Absolutely. And my last question is, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, that's intense, Deb. I don't know. I think when I, th I think about it, I've only thought about this maybe a couple of times. It's always that journal at chapters that gets me when it's like your legacy journal. I think, oh my gosh, legacy. I don't know if I were, once I'm gone, if people could think about me 
I would hope that they remember my kindness, my, my ability to see the good in people and uh, that all, I just want people to know how much they're worth. I just want people to realize that this world is, is so, it's so cliche, but it's literally their oyster. I mean, like this world is ours to do whatever. I mean, like if I think about the opportunity, like the fact that we're here is winning the lottery to begin with. The fact that, you know, just the, how we got here to begin with. And I just, I really hope that people realize how much, how great they are and the things that they are capable of doing. And so I hope that that's what I leave behind for people. It's, it's a nice reflection. And I always try and think of a great quote to end the show with. Yeah. And there's only one quote for you. And it's, <laughs> it's in the words of Dr. Seuss. Why fit in when you were born to stand out? Mm-hmm. Find me a leader who doesn't carve their path. Leaders don't follow, they lead. And it comes with peaks, it comes with valleys, it comes with self-doubt. Mm. But you have the ability to get back up, hold your chin up high, smile on your face, lots of resilience. And it's like, okay, what's next? Because I'm going to fail forward, but at least I'm going to try. <laughs> I like that, fail forward. <laughs> It's so true. Absolutely. Well, oh, I yeah. wish I wish you all the best in your schooling and I'll be mm-hmm. excited to see where this journey takes you and thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks, Deb. Thank you for having me. And if you like the show, give us a a rating and a review and everything about Jess will be below in the podcast episode description so you can find her on social media. And thank you for joining me once again on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast.